0: We will read again from the 26th psalm verses 1 and 2 this time Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Reading these verses makes me think of school. We have A few who have started school, and many who will very soon begin the new year of school. It's exciting. I remember way back, looking forward to the day I would be done with school. But you're never done. So, sorry about that. It makes me think of school because the psalmist said, examine me. Test me. School brings tests, examinations, pop quizzes. Oh, those are trying. They uh, they make your your stomach turn in knots, and the night before there's anxiety. And uh, I, don't, I shouldn't be telling you all that. You'll be discouraged before you ever start back. But uh, test me. Is what he, he said. He was confident he would pass the test. You can be confident to a certain degree. Your confidence will correspond to the amount of study and preparation you have put into testing day. he says, Judge me, O Lord, I have walked in my integrity, I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I will not slide. Examine me, O Lord, prove me, try my reins and my heart. To try is to test in, in the sense that it's used. It is uh, as if uh, testing metals to examine the strength of the metal. And in a sense, that's what happens in school is you're tested to uh, see the strength of your knowledge. But that's what happens in our uh, Christian walk as well. Tests come, trials come, and uh, we uh, read that the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. So our spiritual standing will be tested. Our character will be tested. I'm not sure we ever get to the point where we say, test me in school, or test me, oh Lord. But the test will come nonetheless. He said, I shall not slide. and the sense of there is to waver. And of course, we would think immediately of, of backslide. You need not waver in your integrity. You not, need not uh, backslide in your uh, spiritual walk. It's not, not necessary. Uh, there's there's victory in Jesus. Uh, the fact that you are tested and don't get an A uh, doesn't mean you have failed. You, you can learn from it and be stronger the next time around. School brings pressures related to uh, expectations, Of others to fit into the profile they assume you should have there's no doubt about it but life brings that as well so you need not think that this is unique to you as a student we we need not be satisfied to be we need not be satisfied to blend into the world and to the profile the world expects us to to have we we will be indis- uh, we will be distinguished from the world our goal is not to be different from everybody else our goal is to please god and if we succeed in pleasing god we will be different than those who are not striving to please god no way around it some come from a different frame of reference I went through school years. I had a different frame of reference from uh, Christians who were were around me. I noticed a few who seemed to be uh, different than my crowd, but I I was of the crowd. I was of the world. We were not to love the world, nor the things of the world, nor do we strive to be like the people in the world. We strive to be what God would have us be, and that's our goal. Uh, that being our goal, why why should we be satisfied or allow the world to shape our viewpoint?
1: Well, we shouldn't.
0: We want our viewpoint, our perspectives to be shaped by God. We, uh, we would rather come out, uh, Paul said, from among them and be separate rather than blend in with them. God will preserve you. God will keep you. You're surrounded by many testimonies of those who were saved young and stayed saved. That doesn't mean they stayed uh, or were perfect to begin with. They learned. They were tested. Uh, they 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 succeeded, though. Don't cast away your confidence if you even uh, fall short of uh, the uh, perfect behavior that not even Adam could live up to after the fall, at least. Nor nor are we expected to be perfect in the sense that Adam was perfect before the fall. We are expected to strive to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So don't let the the devil uh, clobber you uh, because you didn't pass the first test that came along. Determined to pass the second test. The psalmist did some things right in verses 3 through 5 for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes i have walked in thy truth the first psalm reminds us not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly so we walk in the counsel of god's truth i have not sat with vain persons we will rub elbows with those who have the worldly perspective in the sense that we'll be in proximity in the same classes and we're not going to look down upon them in a condescending manner as if we're we're better than them Uh, we're we're concerned about ourselves we're going to live for God and we pray that we'll inspire others to do the same so he said I've not uh, sat with vain persons neither will I go in with dissemblers Dissemblers are those who uh, conceal or or veil their identity. They're they're those who uh, tend to operate in the shadows. Wherever you are, in, at school, in the business world, at church, no matter what, uh, learn to recognize those who would cast doubt or or um, question and uh, take it for what it's worth. And again, uh, rather than focus on Judging that uh, conduct, focus on determining or having a determination to live for God yourself. School brings peer pressure, influenced by those who have the strongest uh, personalities or who are the the most outgoing or the most outspoken. Well, again, uh, that's, that's the nature of life. That doesn't stop with uh, high school or college, it goes on through life. But we need not um, put undue weight upon uh, perspectives of those who have the most to say. School brings uh, pressures not only from peers or life, we could say life, not only from peers but also in the school. I mentioned here a month or two ago that One thing that has definitely changed from when I was in high school and in college is that that the pressure comes from uh, some teachers to embrace the world's view of uh, social issues that are in conflict with the truth of God's word. Morality is redefined to be whatever anyone deems it ought to be rather than have it be consistent with the Bible itself. an abortion is a good example of that, where it's viewed as immoral to infringe upon the right of a woman to choose whether or not to allow her baby to live. It's immoral in the view of the world for us to object uh, uh, to that. But we object to that because the only one who cannot express the view is the one who's not been born yet and ha- therefore has no voice. The power to choose occurred just before conception. So don't use that argument uh, on, on me. We honor the power of the baby to be born So morality, redefined. We we could cover all kinds of areas, but won't. Redefined science, where theory or belief is taught as fact. And the theory of evolution is a perfect example of that. It's a theory and it's a belief. Well, we have a belief as well. And our belief is that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. So you need not fight uh, teachings when they come up like that but you need to be assured in your own mind that God's Word is truth and God has disclosed uh, the amount that he wants us to know and the details that are unknown uh, we're we're uh, we're okay with that and God knows them so they redefine morality they redefine uh, science Uh, They redefine the facts of biology in order to accommodate gender identity uh, where one can take on themselves an identity that God chose at conception. Study biology. School brings pressures and life. I keep saying school, but I mean life brings uh, pressures of, of loneliness. And we have all of these peers all around, and yet we might feel left out or alone. Well, that that happens. Everyone seems to be so happy. Everyone seems to fit in. Well, that's not the case. Uh, Even those with a great big smile on their face have the same uh, feelings that others who uh, tend to withdraw and look around and feel left out. School brings pressure to to enter the dating scene. This is where things will get kind of quiet. But I, I had some questions uh, along this line, so it, it's a bit on my mind, and it corresponds with with um, the beginning of school. Although I guess it corresponds with with life. Well, we have to define uh, dating. If dating means a boy and a girl spending time together, speaking of teens, uh, primarily, early 20s, uh, if dating means a boy and a girl spending time together in a totally private setting, I'm no fan. I admit I have a bias. I, I didn't date when I was in the world. I didn't get saved till age 21. It's not because I didn't want to, so there was no virtue on my part, or uh, I was just I was just sure that no one would be interested. Frankly, oh, <laughs> well, there was one. There was one girl in the seventh grade. Debbie knows about her. She knows her name. I won't say her name, but I had a crush on her. So I guess I'm not sure if that constituted dating or not. But I think there was some interest in both ways. So I, I met her at her locker when the school bus came, and uh, she had a whole big stack of books. I mean, she was carrying those books down that hallway, and that hallway never seemed longer. I had no books, but I didn't offer to carry her books. In fact, we didn't even talk the whole time down. That's the kind of dating I approve of, by the way. (laughs) And that that relationship kind of ended by the time we got to the end of the hallway. (laughs) I wasn't very good at that. Even after I got saved, uh, I came to camp meeting a a new convert and someone, there's a Midsummer concert. Somebody asked, who who are you going to take to the concert? I thought, huh? I didn't know I needed to take anyone to the concert. And I didn't. And I didn't the next year either. The first time I took someone to the concert was after I was married. I took Debbie. That seemed appropriate. So in this business of dating—why put that kind of pressure on yourself? Why? It's not necessary. It's—it's it, it's way better to to—and I'll—I have a conflict of interest here. I have eight grandchildren coming down the pike, and they—they they won't listen to me altogether, at all. Actually, perhaps. <laughs> nor is it my responsibility uh, to them nor is it my responsibility to anyone here. It's a parental issue, not a church issue. So I recognize that, and I'm taking some risks here, but um, I'll take them. In the social media age, it's actually possible to have that alone time when you're in totally different locations. It's all right for parents to monitor all of that. But in terms of, of young people... Meeting, in isolation, one on one. Will somebody explain to me what good can ever come out of that? It's unhealthy, and it's unnecessary. Because you have many opportunities to meet with the same people in group settings, for example, group church settings. That's healthy. And that's helpful in every way. You know, there's a lot taught nowadays, not just in school, but in in the world about the carbon footprint that we leave. By the way, whoever is keeping track of that, they owe me. I have planted more trees in my lifetime than than I've cut down, or that I have used by virtue of being alive. Uh, We almost have to apologize nowadays for being alive and infringing upon uh, um, the world. But anyway, uh, why why not consider your social footprint? I'm more concerned about your social footprint than your carbon footprint. Why accumulate a resume that later on will come back to haunt you? Some, some, uh, you know, they kind of want to, they get a reputation for playing the field or whatever that is. Well, good luck a few years from now when someone who would have otherwise been interested in you look back and say, no, thank you. My favorite one is when someone tells, uh, tells another, the Lord showed me. Well, you lost me right there. And you could say that, oh, wait a minute here. The Lord showed you, and that's the only reason there's no interest otherwise? Or the Lord didn't show me, buddy, so you just keep praying and get your eyes and your heart off of me. And that that goes for every aspect of life. Don't use God for a leverage to get what is really your own desire and your own preference. You know, I, I've prayed different times when, the, when my grandchildren especially were younger, but even in private uh, with them and when they were young enough to repeat after. And uh, I remember one uh, grandchild who shall remain unnamed. Uh, I was praying with him, I will say that. Well, there's seven grandsons and one granddaughter, but we prayed the same prayer with our granddaughter. But I was praying with my grandson actually right here and said, Lord, I, I, I pray for my wife. Well, he was about eight years old. He said, huh? I learned that from Debbie. Debbie, when our children were growing up, uh, she prayed for their spouses before they ever met their spouses. It's a good prayer to pray. But if you're going to pray for your future uh, spouse, you better live in a manner where your uh, future spouse will find you appealing later on. And, And the question might be asked, well, when is later on? Well, it's later on. I'm a common sense kind of a guy. Does it doesn't matter. It's when when God wants it to be. Well, what what's the hurry? Did you know that the the statistics show that the the rate of marriage failure doubles uh, in the say the late teens compared to the the late 20s and beyond? You don't even know each other yet. We're not even finished. Debbie and I even say we were in our 20s. We even say, you know, we really didn't know who we were marrying. But we're, we were satisfied at the time and later with who we married. Well, at least, at least I'm satisfied. I'll have to check with her for a rebuttal. If we follow society's leading, Remember, this is if you follow the world. Um, we will have engaged in many, many close relationships prior to getting married. That's not a, an appealing resume to have. So, when should one date? this this one 's fun for me. Are you having fun? anybody having fun <laughs> there are four four stages here and this is uh, there 's friendship. you know what friendship is you 're just chilling with groups of your peers and having a, a good time and not under pressure by the way uh, there 's courtship i don 't know that that word is used so much nowadays, but that 's the period of time before engagement that anticipates the possibility of marriage that's my definition so it's non-binding it should be with parental uh, blessing in other words there's interest there mutual interest there You're, you're old enough to know what's going on and you think there might be something there well then that's courtship then there's marriage then after marriage, then there's dating. It's after marriage. It's after every, every, Debbie every once in a while says, we, "We need to go on a date, and I will, uh, and I'm tempted to say, "Oh, I was just going to say that to you." It's after marriage there's a progression in the in these stages that should take place over over a period of time and then should be re- repeated after you're married so that, that's that's what happened we didn't in, intend it to be we weren't really ne- nearly necessarily instructed it that it be that way but uh, I got saved began attending the uh, the church. Debbie was in Dallas, Oregon, uh, living with the Phillips family. I was attending uh, Oregon State uh, then. And before, in time, she was already involved in the music and in Sunday school and and so on. And after a time, I was teaching Sunday school. And and then they uh, took some risks and put me in the choir. And we were uh, basically doing things, cleaning the church. I don't remember all all that was going on, but uh, we were simply... We became friends. And then, uh, after a time, we didn't, uh, I don't think we really dated. Well, there was one time she went to Jack and Wendy's chastine's wedding uh, in Roseburg and uh, didn't have a ride home, so I, uh, I gave her a ride home. So if you consider driving along Interstate 5 alone time, then I confess we had some alone time there. But then we began uh, at different times, we began talking about uh, getting married, but um, the day came where, in fact, I think it was in October uh, of 1975, where I say she asked me to marry her. What really happened was she told me that I had never asked her to marry me. And that's true. And so right there in the car, Uh, I pulled over facing there was a Bible book house on Court Street in Dallas and next to that was a tavern there's a phone booth close by I used to have phone booths back in the day and uh, in that unromantic setting I looked deep into her eyes and said will you marry me and to my surprise she said yes and uh, we got married I don't know if there's anything here uh, uh, for you, but, but the, the, the point B, you will be tested. And you'll be tested on these aspects of life. Even as you go through life. Remember the Bible says you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God is interested in every aspect of your life. But you can live for God. You can say with the psalmist, I have walked in mine integrity, in verse 1, I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. And he goes on to say, in effect, test me, O Lord. You will be tested even if you don't request it. Try my reins and my heart, that's your innermost thoughts and desires. If you have a determination to live for God and to glorify God as you journey through life, whether it be as a teenager or as a senior citizen, uh, God will help you. God will bless you. God will keep you. And He will help you even to say, I have kept mine integrity. I have lived for you, Lord. I, there's been lessons. There's been testings. Uh, there's been times where I felt a bit uh, short, but I learned. And the day comes where the rapture of the church takes place, and, or even in life, as we go through life. And you'll, you'll hearken back and you'll say, I'm so glad I, I stood firm. I'm so glad I did not waver. I'm so glad that I, I kept my determination to serve God. Now, God will help you, as I said. He will bless you. If you don't have that assurance of salvation, we certainly want to conclude by extending an invitation for you to come to the place of prayer. Drop to your knees. Pray where you're seated. Ask the Lord to help you. You'll find help from heaven. God bless you.